wisdom to the young people. Now, don't tell any of the other young people from an old man here, okay? You want to be last in line for food because you can get your first and your second plate at the same time. Because everybody has to go through at least once, and then it's everybody gets to do whatever. So if you're the last one, you're the last one the first trip and your second trip. So you double. Trust me, I know food people. Okay. So don't tell your don't tell anybody else. Just say go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Double up on some mashed potatoes and stuffing and turkey and everything. You'll be all right Sunday. And when you do it, just think of me, Brother Hampshire. Helped you out. Man, we are so honored to be here. The last several weeks has been such a blessing to my wife and I. And uh, we just just want to say thank you for welcoming us into the family. I have been here several times you know, as a visiting preacher, and I've always felt at home, and I've always felt a connection. And over the we talked for a few months um, about us possibly coming and being a part of the church. And we didn't take this lightly. We didn't just wake up one morning and decide this is it. We've talked. My wife and I, we've talked to Bishop and, and Sister Purdue time after time. We would drive up and have dinner and sit for two, three hours. And we would just talk and talk about different things. But we talked about church and possibly coming up. And, and uh, you know, a few couple months ago, we just... My wife and I, we just kind of looked at each other and said, out of all the options that we have, and, and we've had options to go take churches and be a part of churches and pastor churches, and, and every time we would get in our car and drive home from those trips, we always came back to Muncie. And there were some churches that you know my wife loved, and there were some churches that I loved, and every time we'd get in the car, every time we would just this church and that church and this conversation and that conversation, our heart came back to Muncie. And I don't know what God has in store for us here. And Bishop and I have talked about it, but I'm here to help and do whatever we can to be a part of the church. And the fact that you guys have just welcomed us in. I was thinking today, we're not quite like family because we're not fighting yet. <laughs> when we start fighting, then it'll be like family. But thank <laughs> But you guys have just, you just, you just allowed us to come in and just be a part of your family. And, and uh, I just want to thank you guys on behalf of my wife and I for allowing me to be a part of this. And, and uh, we're just going to see what God could do in this church. And we're going to be a part uh, of, of Heritage. It's our home church and our pastor. And uh, no matter how hard he's tried, we've not left yet. But uh, we're just going, we're going to see what God's going to do in Muncie, and I want to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. That's all right. To the uh, media person, I apologize. I got so worried about getting here, I forgot to give you my scriptures or my title. Um, so if you have your Bibles, will turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read 16 through 22. I know it's several scriptures, but they're really short, sweet, to the point. And uh, we're going to see what God's going to do. Hopefully I can encourage somebody tonight and try to teach a little bit. 
If I get going, then I'll preach a little bit, but we'll just see what's going to happen. But thank you, Pastor, for allowing me this great opportunity. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 22 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not the prophesies. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Paul is writing to the church and to the saints of Thessalonica, and he ends his chapter with words of encouragement. For just a little bit tonight, and I won't keep you very long. If the Holy Ghost breaks out, I'll keep you even shorter. I just want to talk to us about being faithful. Being faithful. This kind of goes along. I was talking with uh, Sister Kirsten. Is that Kirsten? I tried. And uh, if, you were, if you weren't in adult Bible, Bible study Sunday morning, go back and find it. She did a tremendous job, and we got to talking. And speaking and teaching on prayer was kind of in, it was in my spirit as well, so I'm just kind of piggybacking off of what she was talking about a little bit. But we're just going to kind of keep the theme of prayer going. Amen? I, I don't believe that you can pray too much. So we're just going to talk about being faithful tonight. Amen? Thank you for standing. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. In Paul's first letter, the first book of Thessalonians, he was writing to the church and the saints of Thess Thessalonica. And he was encouraging the saints not to forget about God and forget about their relationships with him. If you do a study of Thessalonians, you'll find that the church was having a bit of heartache and trouble. They had gone through some deaths within the church and they had some sorrow and they had persecutions because they were starting the church and many around them did not believe in what they believed. So you, you always have persecution and trials that they were going, going through at the time. So 1 Thessalonians is, is Paul's letter to the church to keep them encouraged. I, I want you to keep going on. Don't forget the love of God. Don't forget about who he is. Don't forget that he loves you. And and, and he goes through those chapters and he, he's trying to deal with some things, but the overall the overall theme of First Thessalonians is just be faithful with God. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. He, he's just trying to to end this chapter and end this, this letter with some words of encouragement. He, he was trying to get them to, to kind of overcome their heartaches and troubles, but he was just saying, in everything that you do, don't forget these steps. Which it's easy to read and it's easy to preach and teach about and it's easy to listen to in your earbuds in and listen to the Bible or read it if you're reading it throughout the year. It's easy to read the Word of God, but it's another thing to obey the Word of God. Every question I'm going to ask tonight, or pretty much every question that I ask throughout this, this message, I'm going to tell you, my hand's probably going to go up. But he was, in, he, he was ending this with words of encouragement to, to rejoice, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks, uh, to quench not the spirit, despise not the prophesying, prove all things, hold fast to things that are good, and abstain from all appearance of evil. He, he, was, he was encouraging them, don't give up. 
don't don't walk away just because your day is tough. Don't don't just stay home from church because you've got a headache and don't just don't just not come because the the praise team won't sing your favorite song and you get discouraged or maybe the doctor's got a got a a, a message for you and you're afraid so you're fearful. So I'm just going to stay home because I don't want to be around people or I don't want to go out in public because they're going to make fun of me. I, I have children that are in high school and, and a couple that have graduated. My youngest is a, a senior, but we've had talks over the years about how they dress. They dress differently. We've had conversations about places we go to and we don't go to because we are different from everybody else. And We've been extremely blessed with our boys. They've not fought us too much, but we've had to sit down and explain to them that that just because everybody else does it, we're going to do it. And I can, I can joyfully tell you right now that all three of my boys are, are still in church. Our oldest son is a, a junior in Bible college, and he's working at, at Apostolic Christian Church as the youth pastor, and, and he's making waves and, uh, in school, and through his, he's, God has blessed him in his own ministry. Our, our middle son is in Fort Wayne at an apostolic church, and he's working with the media team. Our youngest is the drummer at, at ACC, and, and they all have their walk with God. I don't know what their walk's going to be when they're out of the eyes of mom and dad, but I believe we've done a pretty good job raising them and getting them to understand that God is better than this world. Amen. That even though that we may face persecution, troubles, and trials, and even though we're going to have bad days and even though we're going to maybe even question God and, and question who he is or what he can do or why he doesn't do something, that as long as we are still faithful, God is still going to bless us. You must understand that our walk with God is not a perfect walk. That sometimes we stumble and we fall and sometimes we even doubt the direction we're going into. We kind of worry and fear. We love to say that I know that God can do all things. and With God all things are possible, but how many times, and this is the question that my hand would be raised, how many times have you sat there and said, God, why don't you do this? Or God, can you, God, can you do this? Uh, we all struggle with that question. Somebody is sick and we don't get the doctor's report we want to hear. And we've been praying every day and every night and twice on Sunday about it and nothing seems to happen and we don't ever say, God, I trust in you. We say, God, why can't you do this? Or God, can you? But even though we have our doubts and fears and we have our worries and frets, we need to understand that we cannot give up on living for God. We cannot give up rejoicing. We cannot give up praying without ceasing. We, we cannot give up disdaining and, and staying away from all appearance of evil because we must understand that our walk with God is a daily walk with God. Our walk with God it cannot be a situational walk with God. I really didn't want to put this in my notes, and, uh, but there's too many Christians that we want to have the Samson walk with God that we will call upon the name of the Lord only when we have to. We will call upon the name of the Lord when the enemy is knocking on the door, the enemy has their hands on us. Go through the, book, go through the story of Samson. They will tell you that they had him bound in chains or in, in fetters. They had, him, they had him locked down, and that's when he would call upon the name of the Lord. He was, I'm sorry. I know he was, a he was a judge chose by God, but he was not faithful. 
He was not a faithful man of God. I love the story of Samson. Samson is a story of redemption, of restoration. But the life of Samson is not one that I would tell my boys, I want you to follow after the life of Samson. Because I don't want you to get to that point that you're tied up with the enemy. Because that might be a little bit too far, too far for you to go. My children know my past, and I'll get to my past another night, uh, but I have a past. I'm not this perfect boy you guys see here tonight. I've got a past. I know you're disappointed, but it's okay. But I, I've got a, my, my children know that, and, but I've told my boys, I was blessed to come out of that. But I can tell you name after name, picture after picture, guy, friend after friend after friend that was not able to get out of what, got, of what I was in. And I said, I, I don't want you guys getting to that point because you what I came out of, you may not be able to come out of. Even being my child, even being my son, maybe Malachi, even though you're starting in the ministry, don't walk down a path that you cannot get yourself out of. So we have to keep ourselves kind of in line because it is, the world is not going to help us stay focused on our relationship with God. The world is not going to text you on Saturday night and say, hey, don't forget you have church in the morning. You better not be late. The bar is not going to text you on Tuesday and say, hey, don't forget Bible study tomorrow night. The drug dealer is not going to text you and say, hey, don't be late for prayer meeting on Sunday night. Oh, don't forget that fellowship meeting you got going on. The world is not going to do that. The world is going to do everything it can to keep us from our relationship with God. That's why Paul had to write. Because he knew the trouble they were going through. He knew the trials that they were facing. And even though he is writing this letter to the church, not to, not to sinners, but to the church. And he had to remind the church to continue to pray. Be happy. Even though your life is, is crumbling around you and you feel like there is no hope, just remember, there is hope in our God. So we need to understand that we need to stay faithful to God because that is the way that we overcome the things of this world. While I was looking up and, and, and getting things ready and stuff, I, I was reminded, and I got myself in the book of Daniel. Now, this Bible study tonight is not going to do any good. For, I, I'm not doing this book of Daniel justice at all. This needs to be a series on everything Daniel did. But I just want to kind of go over a couple things about Daniel. At the age of 15, King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Judah and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And as a custom, the king would... Would, would tear down or demolish any of the temples of the, of the remaining uh, lands that he, he conquered and he would set up his own uh, idols or his own worship however he was set. But in doing so, he would take all of the intellectuals and he would bring them in. He would relocate them to Babylon. So what he would do, King Nebuchadnezzar would come in. He invaded Judah he took over Jerusalem. He destroyed Jerusalem. He didn't just, he didn't just close it up, but he destroyed it. They, he dropped the temple to rubble. But he took Daniel, Shiana, Michelle, and Azaria, which we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he took these men as they were learned. They were educated. 
and he brought them into Babylon and he tried to get them to incorporate themselves into the leadership of Babylon. It is customary that the winning king would bring in all the intellectuals from the defeated country and bring them in to, to put them in maybe some sort of inner circle or some sort of form of leadership to get them accustomed to their lifestyle. The purpose of putting Daniel and the three boys into leadership is, to, is for them to help the other Jews and, and get themselves set up into the lifestyle of Babylon. Because back then in those times, it wasn't just one or two people. They had many leaders. They had the, the higher echelon of folks. And what they would do is that as someone that was defeated, you would go into the new king, in this case Babylon. But Nebuchadnezzar put Daniel and them in, in there and he would make Daniel come out and, and talk to the people because he, they wanted Daniel to be the spokesman, the man to go between. Because they listened to Daniel when they were in Judea. Daniel had favor. He had power in Judea. He was a young man. He was 15, 16 years old when this was going on. But God, had, he had so much wisdom and understanding. The Bible tells us that he had so much wisdom even at a young age that he had favor. So he was a form of a, a leader. He was charismatic. He, when he talked, people listened. So King Nebuchadnezzar had Daniel come in and said, I want you... To, to step in a role of leadership because I want the other people to see how good it is. So the goal for Nebuchadnezzar was to get Daniel and the other ones that he brought in to be a part of the royal court or the royal leadership was to indoctrinate themselves into the life of Babylon so everybody else would follow Daniel. Even if they, they didn't like Nebuchadnezzar, they liked Daniel. So if Daniel gave in and, and started making idols or praying to idols, then everybody else would do it too. They would follow their leader. The leader at the time was, was Daniel. He was a leader. Now we know the story of, of Daniel very well, and the most important or the most uh, popular story is the, the lion's den. But if you've been around church for any length of time, you'll know that Daniel had a very important uh, life. He had a very valuable life. So we'll know that Daniel was first faced with what we now know as the Daniel fast, that one of the things that Nebuchadnezzar did was set down a feast, and he wanted Daniel and the other boys and all of the ones that he brought in from Jerusalem and Judea to come in a feast with him. This wasn't slop. This wasn't, this wasn't three-week-old soup that had rats running through it, like you get in prison or anything. This was a royal feast. But if you follow the story of that, you'll find that Daniel did not partake of that meal because the meat that was given had been sacrificed to idols. So Daniel said, I'm going to hold off. And that's the Daniel fast. Read about it. He, he abstained from the meat and the wine and the drinks and everything that the King Nebuchadnezzar had offered because it was not of God. So he was faithful. Even though he gave up steak for a salad he was faithful Daniel over time and you go through that story you'll find that David actually grew stronger and healthier than the other men that gave maybe that's where we get diets at today I don't know but but Daniel because he was faithful to God God blessed him God gave him wisdom and understanding Daniel over time would be able to interpret dreams that Nebuchadnezzar would have 
And in doing so, he gained favor with the king of the princes. At a time, he was Nebuchadnezzar's very important, closest inner circle. He could speak to the king without having to worry about whether he was going to get killed or not. He had so much favor. It would have been very easily easy for, da- for Daniel, sorry, for Daniel to get into Nebuchadnezzar's side. He, but he didn't allow fame. He didn't allow what Nebuchadnezzar thought about him to change his relationship with God. Because even though he had to do what he did to survive and, and, and he was doing what he had to do in the positions he was given, he still had a relationship with God. He was still faithful with God. He was still, still favoring God over Nebuchadnezzar or anybody in Babylon. To the point that even after Nebuchadnezzar died, there was, there was three other kings uh, that was after Nebuchadnezzar, his son, and then uh, Persia came in and, and took over Babylon. But even though he had to sit under heathen kings, if you will, these were not apostolic or even Christian godly men. These were idol worshipers. Every king that came in, that, that one after another, Daniel always had favor with. Daniel always knew the right words to say. He, he could... He could interpret dreams or he could talk about different things he always had the right things to say at the right time that is favor from God it was important as one time and this is where you get into Daniel chapter 6 that we get to where we find the story of Daniel in the lion's den this is the most famous story of Daniel Belchelzar uh Died. He was a king, and then all of a sudden, the armies of Medes under Darius and armies of Persia under Cyrus came into Babylon and conquered it. So Darius was the first to rule, keeping the, with the prophecy that Daniel had told to Nebuchadnezzar. But it was very important that Darius was was quick to put people in place. So he had 120 leaders that would conduct the affairs of the land. At this time, Babylon was, was vast, large. So instead of him doing it on his own, he would set 120, as, as I was doing research, 120 men to conduct the affairs. They were kind of your local leadership. And then he had a council of three. These three were in the inner circle with Darius, and Daniel just happened to be one of them. They would preside over all of the activities and functions. With time and increasingly clear that Daniel was much wiser than his, than his colleagues, which promoted Darius to consider appointing him over the entire kingdom. Daniel, now I'm going to get to a point here in just a minute. Daniel had so much favor with God that God blessed him with knowledge and understanding. So every time, even though it was an ungodly king, an idol-worshiping king, a king that destroyed his home life and, and everything about his life. Every time they would come to him, God would give him the words to speak and, and to the point that he almost became a king. Then we find ourselves in Daniel chapter, chapter 6, and I'm going to read 4 and then 6 through 9. I'll give you a second to get that. Darius was going to consider appointing... Daniel over, over all of the land and he was going to basically be the right hand man to the king. He was going to be second in command. God had taken him from a, a young boy at the age of 15 that had his whole life ruined, ripped apart 
destroyed everything he knew, was ripped apart to all of a sudden he was about to be number two in control. But then we see that jealousy starts to take over. Daniel chapter 6 verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. He just sounds like the perfect dude. He sounds almost too good to be true. Number six, seven, and, and six through nine. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents and kingdoms and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree, a firm decree, that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or any man for 30 days, save, the, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast out into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, I know that's a lot. But basically, all of the people that Daniel was over hated Daniel because he was in favor and had favor with the king. They were jealous. So they didn't want to go to the king and say, King, I'm jealous of Daniel. You need to get rid of him. They didn't get and just say, Well, I mean, he's in his spot for a reason. Maybe we just... We have our differences, but I'll just follow him. He's, they, they came up with a plan, not just to get rid of Daniel, but to kill Daniel. This is very important, and this is almost a, a, a parallel to how we're living in this, this life, in this world, in, in 2023, in 20, as we're getting ready to go into 2024, because there's a lot of jealousy going on in the world, and there's a lot of things that are taking place in this world that if we are not careful... We can get ourselves into trouble. We have so many social constructs going on that as a church, if we're not careful, we can run ourselves into the ground. But we must take a stand. And we and I know and, and, and as a minister and a preacher, and I've traveled the country preaching and all of that, and I've been I've been ministering now for twenty years, give or take. I can preach one thing in one church, but I can't preach it in another church. I have to be careful, and I have to really be led by the Spirit. That way, when I get into the church, I don't stand behind this pulpit and I offend somebody. But now anymore, you can't even... It, I'm surprised we can still call each other brother and sister because I'm so afraid I'm going to offend somebody. So I understand the, the way society is right now, the, the hesitations that we have just as people. And I don't want anybody to get canceled. We've got the whole cancel culture going on. We, but what is happening with us is, is the church and, and us, is, and I, I'm guilty of this, is we are so hesitant to make a stand or take a stand or speak with somebody about something that they don't agree with because we are so afraid that we're going to upset them, offend them. They might get onto social media, bash me, my mama, and my dog, and my church. And even though we have differences, and what I say is my opinion and you have your opinion, I believe that the church is being hindered. Now, don't, don't raise your hand. Please don't. 
But how many used to go out and talk to a lot of people about church, but now all of a sudden you've kind of just slowed off? How many times have we, how many times have we, we used to just go out and, and the waitress at, you know, the waitress at Taco Bell or McDonald's or wherever, hey, why don't you come to church tomorrow? Hey, hey, here's a, here's a church card. Drive by, just come on by. But now because of the way the things are going out in this world, we're a little hesitant. I know you ain't elder. You're probably doing it more now. But I know. I know I am. I'm hesitant. Not because I'm afraid they're not going to come. I'm just afraid they're going to go full-blown nuts on me. Throw coffee in my face and, you know, flip up a table because I invited them to church. It happens. But we must understand that if we stay faithful to God, even though the world is different than what we like it to be. That the world is different than the way it used to be. That if we stay faithful to God, he can help us through our trials. We can stay faithful to him. And we can stay faithful to his word and faithful in our relationship to him. Then you'll find that even though you're stepping in a hard place. And you're stepping into a hard time that God will give you the favor you need to get through it. Because I've been jabbering for way too long, and I want to get to this one verse. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. This is what every gibberish I've been talking about, it gets me to right here. Because it says, Now when David knew that the writing was signed. Why can't I? Man, it's all over social media. I can't go anywhere. and do. I can't go to church. They say I can't go to church. Social media says church is crazy and that it's a cult and I'm better off saying home. No. When he knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and he hid in the corner and he hid under the bed and, and he put pillows on top of him and he whispered because he was afraid people were going to hear him. He opened his window in the chamber towards Jerusalem. Now, now I want you to hear this. Nebuchadnezzar came in when Daniel was about 15 years old and destroyed Jerusalem. Daniel, from the time Nebuchadnezzar came in, had never been back to Jerusalem. He destroyed everything about Daniel's life except his relationship with God. We can have troubles and trials and, and heartache and, and sorrows and sadness and madness and gladness and hatefulness and all of that, everything around us. But if we stay faithful to God and we don't allow the world to, to separate us from the love of God and our relationship with God, there is nothing the world can do that can stop us from being with God. Because he didn't hide, he opened his window like he had done every day the rest of the beforehand. He kneeled on his knees at the times of prayer. He gave God thanks as he did a time of four. A time of four. He didn't change anything about his relationship with God because the world changed. He didn't get less Christian-y. He didn't get less godly because the surroundings got less godly. 
I remember a day when you were encouraged to go to church. I remember a day when we would go to we would go to church on Wednesday night in our pajamas and we would sleep under the under the pews because we didn't get out of the Bible study until 9:30 or 10 o'clock because they were digging deep into the Word of God. I remember the days of weeks, plural revival, where they gave you Monday night off so you could do your you could wash your clothes. I'm an old man. I've been around a long time. But everything in Daniel's life culminated when he knew that when he opened his window and he kneeled. But it wasn't even the fact that he opened his window and it wasn't the fact that he actually kneeled on his knees. But when he with that, I'm, I'm going to guess it. This Bible doesn't say this. This is the book of Danny Hampshire here. When he cried with a loud voice, my God, my Savior, I love you, God. I love you, God. I need you, God. When you start spouting off the love of God and you start proclaiming the name of Jesus, the world doesn't care what you do. The world doesn't care you get on your knees. It's what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of your heart that the world is going to get into. And the world doesn't care you come into church. The world doesn't care that you wear your dresses to your ankles. And, men, you wear the finest suits. But when you start proclaiming the name of Jesus and you start proclaiming the love of God, you cannot let the world stop you because the world can't stop what is in your heart. Young people, you need to understand, I don't care how hot he is and how smoking hot she is. If she is not walking down the path that you're walking, and if she's not walking with God and he is not praying to God, you need to let that person go. You got to get your mind and focus set up that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. We need to understand that it doesn't matter what's going on down here. We got to be heavenly minded and we got to keep our relationship with God over our relationship with man. Daniel never set foot in the temple of Jerusalem after the age of 15. But daily, he turned his eyes to Jerusalem. It wasn't about the building. It wasn't about walking on granite stone steps to get inside. And it wasn't about the altar that was there or the, the lights that were there. But he, he had Jerusalem in his heart because that is where he found God. But so often, so often, we allow the world to change our mindset. And we are blessed today that we have Sundays and Wednesdays for church. And the world still allows it. But pastor, I think we're going to get to a time sooner rather than later where it's going to be harder and harder to do that. But we must understand we cannot let this world stop our relationship with God. We cannot let the world dictate who we worship and how we worship, how we look, how we talk, and how we dress. We got to get that from God. One thing I found funny, and I'm almost done. Give me just a few more minutes. And this is going to blow your minds. Daniel had a rough life, but he had favor with God. Did you know he was not a judge? He did not have an angel come down to his parents 
and say, you're going to have a son, and his name's going to be Daniel, and he's going to survive the lion's den. He didn't have royal bloodship. Daniel's power and authority wasn't because he was so-and-so's grandson or son or nephew. He wasn't called out of the heavens like we hear with John and, and all these great guys. He wasn't appointed a judge by a priest. A priest didn't pour a gallon of anointed oil on him and say, you've got favor with God. Daniel just had a faithful relationship with God. Daniel was you and I. He didn't have, he didn't have holy bloodlines, and he, he wasn't a reincarnation of anything, and he wasn't a... He, he wasn't a lineage of anything. Daniel was just you and I. Too many times we read the Bible and say, I can't be that. I can't do that. Samson picked up the, picked up the walls and the gates of a wall and moved them down the street. I can't do that. But Daniel got everything he got from God. Not because he was supernatural. He was faithful to God. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Are you faithful enough in your prayer life to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar? Are you faithful enough in your relationship with God that when a trial comes, you don't just cave? Are you, are, you, are you faithful enough with God and your relationship is strong enough with God that when the temptations of the world come to you, you don't give in? Your relationship with God is a, like a marriage. Two minutes, I'm done. I've been married 22 years. July 28th. I know, I know my anniversary date, bro. Come on now. Okay. I am so strong in my marriage. She doesn't have to worry about me if she's not with me. I don't worry about her if, she's not, if I'm not with her. I don't worry about her. Well, I got to run to the store. Who are you going with? Where are you going to be at? How long are you going to be? You better be home. You got 15 minutes. At 15 minutes, I'm going to come find you. And you better not be with no dude. Because if you're with the dude, it's going to be on. No. Okay, you got to stop at the store. Stop at the store. I don't care. She knows if I'm out working, she knows I'm working. Because our love, our relationship is strong. Now, if you're married today, I, I pray that your marriage is that tight. In your marriage, I believe you're, a lot of you are. Is your relationship with God that tight? Is your love for God that tight that when you walk in to some place that you walk in with God? There's a lot of times I go to the store and I don't want to go to the store. But she wants to be with me and I want to be with her. She knows that I'm not, I'm not speaking anything new. She knows I'm not going anywhere. But are we, are we so strong with God that we won't let Babylon get between us? Are we so strong in our faith? In our, and not just faith, it's relationship, it's communication. 
Communication is, is key. If you can't communicate in your marriage, you don't have a marriage. The number one reason, this, I'm getting done. The number one reason for divorce is communication. I'm not digging in any deeper than that. Because if you don't have communication, you can't figure things out. And you lose the voice. God is always, God is faithful. Always. So I have one more scripture to read, but just go with me on this one. First John 4, 3 and 4. I'll give you a second. So if God is always faithful and God is always speaking, are we so far away from him, so separated from him that we cannot hear his voice? Is the voice of Nebuchadnezzar stronger than the voice of God? Because with Daniel, even though 120 or however many kings and priests and prophets and everything else said, if, he, if, he, if anybody prays to God, they shall be put in the lines, and he didn't let that voice... I would be terrified. I would be like, dear Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I I ain't going to lie to you. I would have a hard time opening up my window and doing that. But Daniel was so strong in his faith. Because what was going on is those men didn't hate Daniel. They hated what Daniel was able to do and what the reason Daniel was able to do what he could do was because of his relationship with God. But 1 John 3, 4, chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 says, And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Wherefore, whereof ye have heard that it shall come to pass. And even now already it is in the world. This is, this is Bible time. This isn't 2023 time. The spirit of the Antichrist was already, it's been around since the days of Adam and Eve. So the voice, the spirit of the Antichrist that I need to separate you from God's spirit has already been around. It's just getting stronger because more and more people are giving into it. Daniel was not the only one taken into captivity. Daniel was not the only one that was put in the royal court. Daniel was not the only one that was able to, to be a part of leadership. But Daniel was the only one that not, did not give in to Nebuchadnezzar or the other kings. Daniel was the only one that did not give in to the societal marks of Babylon and did not incorporate himself into the Babylonian lifestyle. So what makes Daniel special from everybody else? His relationship with God and being faithful. I believe everyone had, everyone, he, was a, he was a scholar. Daniel said, the Bible says he was a scholar. He learned scrolls. He read the word of God up to the point of his life. He was not the only one, but even the other Bible scholars. Why do you think there's empty pews in the church today? It's not because these, and nobody else knows the word of God. There are more people outside that know the word of God probably better than I do. Just knowing the word of God and knowing what you should and shouldn't do is not the end all be all. Just because you got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, that is not your get out of hell free card. It is your relationship with God that must stay faithful on your end as as it is on God's end because that is your way to even if you have to go through the lion's den. He said, I feared not the lions. But that spirit of the angel Christ has been around even since the time of that. For ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. 
Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Why are we allowing the world to dictate the church when greater is he that is in Why are you struggling in your walk with God when greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Why are you allowing the world to dictate when and when you don't come to church? Why are you allowing the things of this world bother you to the point that you just want to give up and you come in here because you don't want to hear it from anybody else when greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Stay with me tonight. Through everything we do, every place we go, and I'm not telling you you got to pray 25 hours a day and fast eight days a week. I'm not telling you you got to do all that. But we just always, we just constantly must be, must be in contact with God. That pray without ceasing, that scripture does not mean that you've got to wake up in the morning and pray till you go to bed at night. But we must have the mind of Christ. Stay connected. When heartache comes, don't whine and cry. Get on Facebook and post about it. I'm going to say it whether I should or not. Pray about it. Don't post about it. Pray about it. Don't stay home when you need a healing when you, the healer's here. Don't stay home because you're struggling when your comforter is here. I'm trying to promote church right now. But we must understand that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Christ is greater than the Antichrist. Don't let Babylon get into your ear and silence the voice of God. Don't let Nebuchadnezzar stand in your way with your relationship with God. Because Daniel loved God so much, he said, I am willing to die than to give up my relationship with God. That is a relationship that only ends in favor and with you walking on streets of gold. Close your eyes, every hand raised tonight. Let's just take a moment. I know I'm, I'm pushing my time. If you're struggling right now to say, God, give me, let me have favor. God, let me be faithful. Help my faithfulness. God, help me, God, as, we, as I go through this trial right now. But God, let me never, never forget to praise you and give you glory and honor. Even though I'm struggling and I don't know what's going on and I don't know what the next step is. God, I trust you for all things. Greater, greater is you than, than anything the world has to offer. God, let me lean upon on you and not my own, not my own understanding. God. Let me put my trust in you. Let me, let, God, let me walk closer to you. Draw me closer to you tonight, God. And let everything that we do, and uh, God, let everything that we say tonight, God, bring you glory because I never want to be separated from you, God. I, I never want the world to be closer to me than you are, God. Help my faithfulness in prayer. God, let me be faithful in prayer. Let me be faithful in reading my Bible and, and just drawing near to you because, God, drawing near to you is drawing away from the world. And God, I never want to lose that position. I never want to lose that position. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus.